Hi, I'm Anthony Casey, and welcome to episode 21 of Training Taught and Truth. because like really it's like a storage closet looks back there so i fixed it <laughs> very nice but well, listen thanks very much for um for reaching out and messaging me um yeah I, uh, really happy you did i was looking at it, a bit of your work over the last few days i kind of had a, i haven't had a time to to read your book or anything like that but i might um might give a, a brief introduction to yourself this is my podcast train taught and truth um it's relatively new it's only started in may but it's about physical exercise it's about physical health, mental health, and spiritual health, really. And I kind of like to get experts on, or people more experienced than me, and ask them a few questions about their stories, and maybe people might hear it and relate to it and take something from it then. So yeah. maybe you can tell your story. And I'll give a brief introduction to yourself from what I found from a Goldcast uh, website. I had a brief oh, yeah. of yourself. So it was that... Um, I lost my notes today, so I'm reading off my phone. Sit to bear with me. <laughs> oh, you're fine. You're fine. Emily Davis, metaphysical expert and best-selling author of Damsel No More. Emily Davis has a passion for helping people awaken their intuitive magic within them. After surviving years of relationship abuse, she made her quest to help people slay their fears, live healthier lives, and discover their innate spiritual gifts through imagination, fun, and connection to their self. Steve believes that everyone has their own set of metaphysical gifts and learn where they got them from and how to use them, which so happens to be her life's passion. She also co-hosts a metaphysical comedy podcast, Perfectionist Anonymous, and regularly does free intuitive readings on her Facebook page. So, oh, yep. yeah. so maybe you could talk about um, how he became your author for uh, Damsel No More. I know that did very well. Um, or how he became a best-selling author to begin with. So I know it stemmed from a uh, bad relationship. Maybe maybe you can want to talk about that, or maybe you don't. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm kind of an open book on all of it. So feel free to ask me any and everything, and I will be as open as honest, honest as humanly possible. Um, yeah, so my story is, it's a little bit unique and a little bit not unique. Um, you know what I mean? As far as like, there's so many people on this planet who has, have gone through an abusive or traumatic relationship to a degree, but um, specifically around my book. So my book actually is a little bit, it's not so much on the metaphysical side. It, it kind of took a totally different approach. So it was more of like one of these passion projects that like I knew I had to, had to do um, because it was such an inspirational journey that I went on. So I was in an abusive relationship for about four and a half years. Um, almost five years, um, right out of high school. So like, it was the first real relationship I had had. So it laid the groundwork for how I believed that I was, you know, should be loved or was worthy of loving. So it was really, really traumatic mentally for a very long time. Um, so even after I had gotten out of that relationship, I really sincerely struggled to cope with the fact of all of the things that had 
come my way during that time. And I spent about two, three years, like really healing and trying my best to like go to counselors and things along those lines. And I felt like I was like making progress. I was like, oh, okay, like I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling healed. I'm feeling I'm leaving this in the past behind me. And then I ended up getting into a new, wonderful, healthy relationship. And I was hit over the head with all of the PTSD. Every little thing that had ever happened in the first relationship was coming up full force and just drowning me completely. And I knew that I needed to desperately make a change and figure out how to actually heal because apparently all the stuff I had done when I wasn't in the relationship hadn't done all that much. Um, and so I went on a whole new journey to really find out how I could heal myself. And I kept hitting roadblocks, like nothing was working. I hired coaches, I hired healers. I um, went to counselors again. I read a hundred books. Like I tried everything and it wasn't working. And then the game changer for me was actually to make healing a game. So, so often we have this dialogue about how healing is going to be difficult, worth it, or, or a challenge that you have to overcome or something along those lines. And that's a very common dialogue, but unfortunately isn't one that necessarily serves us. Yes, it can be a challenge, but challenges shouldn't be under the guise of being difficult and painful. Challenges can be fun. That's the point of video games and other games. So um, I was playing Dungeons and Dragons with my kids and I was like, hey, I wonder if I could make healing a game like this. Like what if I made myself a character and I leveled my character up and gave my character gear and, and helped her overcome a fear monster as opposed to me coming overcoming my fears and make it something outside of myself. And that's what I ended up doing. And it was totally a different world. It, it worked so well and I helped other people do it. And that's the process they wrote down in the book. Wow. And did you come up with that idea yourself just from, just from watching the games and, and like, it's hard to imagine you know, looking at something like that and then trying to transfer that whole mentality into your own life that way. But obviously it worked. Yeah, um, I did come up with it myself. It's definitely an idea that no one else talks about or even like, you know, understands. But there's such a deep healing power in, you know, the things that we love that are our stories, like our fandoms, our fantasy, you know, things that we follow along. Like the power of that is so massive. And uh, when I was playing, I was playing when I was playing D&D &D with my kids, my thought process was like, hey, like I'm acting out a character and what the character's going through is fun to go through because I can actually like play with it and I can have fun with it and I can go deep and it actually reflects some part of myself. Mm -hmm. And knowing what I know from my metaphysical side and my metaphysical gifts, intuitively I was like, hold on, like this could work. Like this could be a real thing that could be productive. Um, yeah, and that's basically how I came up with the idea. And anyone who does things like LARP or does tabletop gaming and stuff will say like, oh yeah, this has definitely helped me with X, Y, and Z. What I have done is just take it one step further where you actually actively leverage a gaming system to help you heal. Okay, that's very interesting. I, I know um, as part of, I suppose, our generation, we would have grown up when games were kind of on that revolutionary kind of, they became, you know, I suppose, like, last generation games were kind of like dots beeping around a screen, like tennis balls or, you know, this kind of thing. Right. The really, the, the kind of role-playing games kind of came in um, a lot more. And I guess, like, I have seen over the years how, like, there is benefits to games. I know it gets a lot of bad press you know it's like too much of gaming can do this that and the other and that's true but it's like too much of everything right too much of coffee can be bad too much exactly. of whatever but i do remember like about even small things like hand-eye coordination is supposed to be very good for or even just figuring out puzzle solving for uh i think it helps a lot of kids with uh you know difficulties or special needs even in that frame of mind kind of solve and 
exercise their brain. You see a lot of that going mm-hmm. on as well. Absolutely. But I, I do know you talk about the world's first healing RPG, and that's what you talk about in your in your book. Is that right? Yeah. So, so what do you get? Like, how do you approach that for a reader? What? How do you get them into that mindset? Or what do they actually do? Absolutely. So the mindset of the book, the book is really specifically geared to helping people overcome relationship trauma specifically, because that is the trauma that tends to really stick with us and glue to us throughout all the other relationships we have in our life, not just romantic ones, but like if you've ever been cheated on, like you're going to have trust issues, right? Like, so all of those components. So we really try to work through that in the book. Um, But if you do have just generalized anxiety too, like you can use the same methods. It's just more geared towards the relationship stuff. But you start at the very beginning of the book um you each chapter is narrated by storyline because all good games have cutscenes, and so does the book it is essentially a game um so it starts and ends each chapter with really good storylines so your character is invested in the storyline that is playing out for you um, and you start by creating a character you design yourself as a character like what you're going to look like you you put a picture of yourself up on the wall or you cut a picture out of a magazine or you print it online, whatever it is, but you make yourself a character. Um, And then you decide, hey, you figure out, you make a list of your greatest fears, the things that you're really trying to overcome. And there's a whole process in the book that I described for really getting, nailing down what's real fear versus fake fear and all this different stuff. But you really nail down what you're fearing. And then that becomes your fear monster. And you're going to create this. And that's going to be your ultimate boss that you're defeating at the end of the book. Mm -hmm. And every chapter in between then is a new level where you're learning a new skill and your character is going to gain a a, a new piece of gear and go on a different adventure, a different quest, whatever it is, all for the guise of let's overcome this fear monster. Very good. Because I do know, like, you know, it's funny because when you talk about that, you know, it's, it's a lot of maybe our generation who will probably relate to this a lot more as well because I know, like, with the games in, increasing technology as well, like, it's more mm-hmm. realistic, more level looking. Like, I have a, you know, one of these VR systems kind of at home. And I was, I was listening to your interview. You had an interview with someone was asking you about the book and yesterday, and they're talking about, you know, you're talking about similar what you're saying now. And it made me, like, it's been gathering dust there, and I, I stuck it on, but, you know, the, you realize that you become so immersed in it that, you know, you, you make this avatar, but it is you because you're controlling the movements and the thought process and how to approach things. And games are a lot more free now. You hear this term, open world. So you make yeah. your own and you do it your way. And, you know, the, the, the beauty of it, it, it does release anxiety. You know, if you have a tough week or something like that and you, you're this character and you can kind of do what you please because if you fall off the cliff, you're still sitting on your couch at home, you know, there's no big consequence of it, I suppose, you know. Exactly. But like going over hills and the likes of, I have this VR, you know, Skyrim, the game, you know, it's a very famous yep. game. In VR, it's fairly intense as well, you know. But um, I can, you can see, you can see, like, I do see, like, when he was saying the downside of the game, and not to hone in too much in the gaming, but, you know, my eyes do get sore. I think it was a bloodshot from playing a bit. But um, the, yeah. the idea that um, it is, like, that you kind of put it in book form where the book is almost like a game, isn't it? And you kind of draw out from that. And I never heard that concept before. It's very interesting. And uh, yeah. deal, but I guess it's the same gives that anxiety release to the readers. And obviously it's done very well because a lot of people are obviously relating to it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the coolest part about making having the book be the game is you're really creating things in your imagination. I mean, it's the same reason why we, anytime we watch a movie that it's based off a book, we're always like, oh, it's not as good as the book. Mm -hmm. It's because it's not what we personally imagined and what we personally invested our emotions into. Mm -hmm. So with this book, not only are you having this storyline going in the first place, but you're investing your emotions into your own storyline. That's actually yeah. you're gaining skills to act out in real life. Yeah, that's very true. And you, can you see, like, as an author, like, do you foresee yourself writing another book? And if you do, can you see this kind of digital age that we're kind of talking about as well, overtaking the paperback? And, like, do you do you have an audio version of your book? Or is that something you, you look at doing? Yeah. Um, so, actually, right now it's only an ebook, um, But by about the end of March, beginning of April, it should release an audio form, which is super exciting. And then it will be in all bookstores, airport bookstores, libraries, the whole nine yards um, this October. So it's kind of like a staggered release process, which is really cool. And kind of really the new age of publishing um, is how it's is going is to do these kind of staggered and different approaches to the classic publishing world, because it really is the world of digital content you know you, you you're either reading books on your phone or you're listening to them i have this weird problem because i love books <laughs> like so so much my mom was a librarian she worked for an author when i was a kid like books are my life and so i will listen to a book and then i'll go purchase the paperback and then i will read it again <laughs> and so like there is that component of it too where people do still love books but also not only is it digital age where like accessibility and stuff is important but also you can carry your whole library in your pocket and like that is amazing because I have 10,000 boxes of books and they're all just sitting in storage because I can't do anything with it. I don't have a grand yeah. library and yeah. so it's making this act of reading a much more accessible and real thing for so many people who aren't necessarily capable of having tons of books. Yeah, and I or guess checking them out from the library or whatever. Everyone's kind of environmentally friendly now as well, aren't they? Like the less paper you're using, the better, I suppose. But you know, <laughs> everyone seems to be a bit busier as well. I well, I find you know crazy busy even with just people dropping by and things to go and like you know your friends, kids, birthdays, and all these things kind of come together where. You know, it's very hard to sit down and, and dig into a book even, you know, and I commute a lot. I think that's where podcasts and audiobooks and all that has have come up a lot more. You know, they've, yeah, they've yeah. replaced the radio because you want to hear a specific thing. You want to get stuck back into the story. And that's how I'm reading my books now. Apart from, like, yeah, you, you know, because you can just manage your time and you don't have to waste that hour driving. You can actually be listening and enjoying a story. And it's yeah. funny, you know, you talk about the conscious mind, the subconscious like it's obviously things that work there because you're it's almost like your your conscious mind in the front is concentrating the book and your subconscious is driving the car which you'd imagine be the other way around sometimes i think that's kind of funny you know but also yeah. you know your books are in your pocket and so are your your games now and so are your music your favorite like everything is there and, yeah. and it's handy and it's it's but that is the way it's going but i, I thought it is it was interesting because obviously yours is selling being best selling in, on paperback you know, and mm -hmm. um, can you talk about those? Well, I wanted to ask you about, you did say a couple of things about, you know, I thought it was quite interesting when you said that it was in, when you were in your new relationship, but that's when everything caught up on you. Yeah. And I presume a lot of people have come to you and been talking about their relationships or their history ever since you released this. Is that a common thread where things get buried and then you move on? And then when you're at a better place where your mind maybe the subconscious push you to the foreground is that what goes on there 
it's kind of, it's, it's sort of like that. Yes, yeah, so many people have come forward. And it's, the truth of the matter is, is there's so many resources for right after you leave an abusive relationship. And then there's like no reset resources for five years later when you're trying to date again. It's just, you know, and that goes with a lot of different things like trauma after like the, you know, a bad car accident or after the military experience. It, it all is relatively similar. Like right away there's stuff, but then years down the line, if it comes back, people are like, oh, you should be over it. And like that's that culture is changing, which is amazing, but it, it is a real thing. Um, but really what happens when it's the nature of triggers in general. So a trigger is something that brings up your dense emotions. And the dense emotions are the ones that are harder to feel. They're not bad. They're not good. It's just you're harder to feel emotions because all emotions are important. So I always like want to reframe it under that because it's so essential to like not think of like, oh, I'm angry. This is a bad emotion. Like heck no, if someone hits your car and your kid's in it, like you should be angry. That is a healthy thing. So not emotions aren't bad. Um, but a trigger is something that brings up those dense emotions. And when you have so many triggers that are trauma-based, those triggers aren't activated until you're in a situation that would cause them to be activated. So for relationship abuse specifically, when I was single, all of the, the, you know, fear of not pleasing my partner and fear of like not keeping the house clean enough and, and, you know, the anxiety around whether or not I could actually like be enough for them or like all these different things, there was nothing triggering them because I was by myself, you know, it was just me and my kids and there wouldn't be anything triggering them because I wasn't in a relationship at the time. However, then I get into a relationship, even though it's a good one, my brain is like, Oh, this is now where we're going to switch into this pattern of this past relationship we were in because we have learned that this is something to be afraid of and it's reteaching your brain like no that's not something we need to be afraid of anymore yeah yeah no it is interesting i, I also think can you talk about you know obviously the, the relationship you, you must in the beginning not seeing the signs in that ways and i, I guess it's hard to because i do know i've read a lot of things where it says you know you may feel like you're not worth you know, this is all your work, this kind of, um, what do you call it, like, it's, this kind of treatment is all that you're worth anyway, you know, was there a moment in time where, a specific moment where you said, that's enough, I'm out, and, uh, you know, or how do people recognize, it's hard to say how do people recognize them, tell the signs, I guess, but it's it's probably individual for everybody, but was there a moment where you realized that now I'm, I'm going and moving on? Yeah, kind of. So it's interesting to look back on like, how did I get into this relationship in the first place? And like that narrative really is, is it's narrated by the fact that I, I knew about my metaphysical and spiritual gifts from the time I was a, a very young child. But I also was made aware very early on that they were weird. And I was weird to, you know, be able to see people that weren't there and be able to feel other people's emotions and, and pain and things like that in my physical body and, and know things were going to happen before they happened. Like I freak people out. And so I suppressed a lot of it and tried to hold all of that in. And what that caused, like the rippling pattern is that I constantly sought out external validation, that I was worth it, that I was accepted, that I was loved, that I was cared about. And so when I found this person who was totally willing to externally validate me. He was very, very good at communicating exactly what I needed to hear um, at that particular time. I immediately was like, yes, I'll be in a relationship with you. This is exactly what I've always wanted because subconsciously I was just trying to prove to myself that I was valuable and worth caring about and I wasn't just a weird outcast. And so that's part of the reason that got me in there. And then that psychological process 
carried throughout the whole relationship of, oh, he has this pain. It's okay. He loves me enough, even though I'm weird. I'm going to fix his pain and he'll love me even more. And so even in the times when it started to get really bad, because it took, there was signs obviously from the very beginning, which you don't notice at the beginning. Um, but about the, after about a year, year and a half, almost two years, it was like, oh, okay. There's more things happening that don't necessarily feel like they are part of a normal relationship, but I love him so much. It's justifiable that he's experiencing this. And if I can just change myself enough to make him feel better, then everything will be okay. And then it gets to a point where you're in fight or flight mode almost all the time because nothing is ever okay. And you, you know, nothing you do will ever be okay. Like there's nothing you can do to actually make this person happy but you're just so caught up in it believing like, oh, I just did something wrong again, or I, I, I'm supposed to do this better, or I can figure it out, I can figure it out again, or like, you know, you're protecting your kids, so you're taking whatever it is, like that mentality. So you really get caught up into that, and all of it justifies the program that you have in the way back of your mind that was trying in the very beginning to tell you you weren't lovable because you were weird. This is all supporting that, which is like your brain is basically masking all of this horrible stuff because you're supporting this belief that you hold that you're not good enough in the first place. So it's really hard to identify specifically like a moment where you can be like, this is enough, because even when things started getting really physical, it wasn't in my brain. I deserved it. Like, oh, I did this. I deserved it. And so it, it's hard. It was hard to see. And even looking back on it, you're so brainwashed and it's a reality. You're very brainwashed and you're very stuck in it. Um, the moment for me when I realized I actually had a realization that I was being abused. He had already been physical. It had been years of like horrible verbal abuse, horrible mental and emotional abuse. But I was, um, it's kind of a funny story. I was selling cars at the time and um, a woman came on the car lot. I'm very bad at selling cars. So like, we're just going to lay that out there, like not good at it. Um, and a woman came on the car lot. And she was like almost, I think she was almost homeless, but definitely very eccentric. I think was addicted to something like out there. And she was looking at like the cheapest car on the lot. And I was like, I walked up to her. I was like, Hey, and she's like, Hey, like I need to get out of here. I need to buy this car. And I was like, okay, like let's go inside. We can talk about it. Kind of like doubting that that's going to be a thing. And she ended up kind of breaking down and explaining her situation to me a little bit of how hard, you know, she was in a really bad spot and all this different stuff. And, I was like, okay, well, do you know, like, I would love to get you this car, but like, you do have to pay for the car. And she's like, I have someone who will put the down payment down for me. And I was like, oh, okay. She's like, I'm going to call him. So she calls him and leaves a message. And then she's like, hey, I need to go run down to the store. And she leaves. And she doesn't, she didn't come back that day. And I was like, oh, she didn't really have somebody. Like she was just, she just needed to talk and like left. But then the guy called back and he was like, yes, I absolutely will pay for the car for her. I just want her to be okay. Like, just tell me what I need to do. As soon as she gets back, please have her call me. I'm so happy she made contact. I will do anything to get her out of this situation. Like that was his whole thing. And I was just like, whoa, like that, that's really interesting. At this point, I was living eight hours away from anyone I knew. I was super isolated. All I was doing was, you know, catering to my husband at the time's needs and trying to protect my kids and just living day to day in like this horrible situation. And I just remember that was kind of like a, wow, okay, here's this person that's really willing to help her. Huh. And so she ended up coming back like a week later and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Like you're here. Like he called back, like he wants to help you. Like, here we go. Like I can get you going. And she was just like, you know, no, like I, I don't think I can, I can accept his help after all. And she just kind of like left. And I was like, so sad. I was like, why, 
why won't you accept his help? Like you're in such a bad situation and here's this person who wants to help you and you're not choosing to accept it. And it was that moment that my brain was like, that's exactly what you're doing. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I am doing that. Like, I am I have people that would help me get out of this. And I'm, I'm not even acknowledging how bad it is. I just want to keep pretending that it's okay, even though everyone who loves me knows that it's not and would love more than anything for me to be safe and my kids to be safe. And that was like the switch moment where I was like, I have to figure out how to get out of this. Yeah, okay. You know, it's very interesting that, you know, how you come across things like that, isn't it? Like that, you know, really with her episode in your life, you know, she nothing really came from her, for, like in her life. Like she went there, did decide not to, but it made such an impact on you that and it yeah. changed your way. Like I, I do often think that there's more forces going on than we think, you know, where that put things in our way to make us realize things. And there's certain oh, yeah. timing that you just can't be coincidental, I think, in, in, you know, our own lives. And that's why one thing I want to talk to you, because you brought up a few times, is, is the metaphysical gifts. Can you talk? Because mm-hmm. um, this is something I'm quite interested in. Uh, this is episode 21, and I've spoken a lot about having the past w- with this as well, and metaphysical, very metaphysical kind of past as well. But um, can you explain your metaphysical gifts are and how you discovered them or when you first came across them. Yeah, absolutely. So um, me now, the gifts that I use now is I'm a channel so I can talk to your spirit guides or your past loved ones or even like, you know, um, like ascended masters or channel things from your past lives. Like I'm very good at channeling and I can see it very visually and see the energy in your field and energy at play, energies heading your way in the future. That sort of thing is like my my wheelhouse of what I mostly do. I'm also an incredibly clairsentient person, which means I feel physically things that are happening in your energy. So unlike an empath who emotionally feels your emotions, like if you were angry, they would feel angry. It's not like that. If, if someone's angry, I feel my chest tighten. So it's like I feel it physically in my physical being as, a, as opposed to clear empathy where you'd feel it in your emotional being. And so I have certain physical signs that help me like give media, uh, medical readings for people. Like I can be like, oh, it feels like I feel like my kidneys are in pain. Like, do you have kidney issues? Like what's going on with that? Like I can sense the energy there. So I do some energy healing work as well. So like those are like the big umbrella of my gifts um, and also like vibration sensing. Like I can sense the vibrations of things um, really, cle- really keenly. Um, <clears throat> so like that's like my developed me after spending years really developing and working on this. Originally, I knew I had these weird things happening to me since the time for as long as I can remember. There was a time when I was really little where I like, I was freaked out by them because like I would see people in my bedroom as I was going to sleep or see animals talk in my bedroom or whatever it was like there's like as a kid sees things, you know, and I would I would feel overwhelmed by like, so many people in the room and I would shut down because I would feel all of their feelings like in my body and I had no ability to hold boundaries or anything like that. And I didn't know what was going on. And I remember I like brought it up to my mom and she was just kind of like, okay, like, go play. <laughs> that sounds nice. And I was just like, oh shit. Okay. Like this is not normal. And I'm sure I explained it terribly cause I was like seven, but like, okay, this is not, that's not what everybody experiences. Um, and then like throughout my adolescence, I did try to develop them to a degree, but in, the private of my own home, you know, like I was trying to not openly share it. I did, um, like I said, it caused me to seek external validation. I, I spent a lot of, like I did a ton of different types of drugs and stuff in high school because it was just consciousness expanding and it made me feel like a normal person. Um, cause like 
everything I would experience doing drugs. I was like, oh, this is just like my normal brain. Like I feel justified because everyone else in this room feels this way too now. Um, so that was like a huge thing for me during that period of time. But then when I was in the abusive relationship, everything shut off. There was no magic. There was no metaphysical anything. Um, even unless my guides, my personal guides were physically causing things to happen in physical reality, which I have one guide in particular that will do that. That was the only thing. And even then it was just like, Oh my God, I feel like my house is haunted. Like this is scary. It wasn't actually me connecting to anything. So I was just so feared of everything. Everything was afraid. And so then after I left the abusive relationship, I was like, Oh yay, my magic's going to come back. Like I'm finally ready to like really step into this. I have this feeling in my gut that this is part of my purpose in life. Like I know I have these gifts because there's some purpose here. Mm -hmm. And then they didn't come back. <laughs> they didn't come back at all. And it was just still blocked. And I was so angry. And I remember there was, I was thinking just like, he's going to take this from me too. Like even my magic, like this thing that was so me that he didn't even know about, like he took this from me. How dare he do that? And that was kind of one of those moments where I was like, no, no, fuck that. Like he is not taking anything else from me and I'm going to reclaim these. And so part of my trauma healing process wasn't just to stop having this massive anxiety and everything, but it was also like, I want to know my magic again. And I know if I can unblock enough of this, it will come back. And eventually it did. And I really was able to dial down that process of how I could unblock all that trauma and really tap into my gifts. Um, and that's what I help people do now because I deeply believe every person on this planet has their own set of metaphysical gifts. They're just clogged up by all of the trauma and stuff that we experience in life. And if we can get that go like released and overcome these fears that we have around them, we can all use them as an agent of good in this world. That's very interesting. You know, I give it a brief, um, a brief kind of story of where, what, what I was talking about, which is kind of similar along the lines, but probably not as much. When I was a kid, I, as far as I can remember as well, um, I would see kind of shadows around the room every, uh -huh. every night, and it would go on for years and years, and I'd tell my parents, and you know, they were kind of brushing it off. And when the age of the internet came, I realized there was millions and millions of like people seeing the exact same thing, and they were describing it like to the T. And it kind of, throughout my teenage years, that was from like three or four years old, all the way up teenage years, I think it died off a little bit in my teenage years, and I went to see. This I have a, a one part of me is a bit afraid of the medium side of things because I went to a psychic. My mother was really into that stuff, and uh, one of the last things she said to me was after telling me about my family and all, and, and very accurately, you know, it blew me away. Someone said to me, "Go in there, cross your arms, don't move an inch, because they can read your body language," and that's what I did. And I was, well, where is he getting this from? But. Um, <laughs> He did say to me before I left, to them shadows that you were seeing as well, they're real. Two nights later, for the first time in years, it all came back. And it was a horrible sense of dread whenever I used to see them. And the same thing. And he had given me a book and he said, you can do what I do if you read this. This is a good guideline. And I didn't. And I, I stepped back from it all and um, tried to, because, because going to see him, I felt as though it opened the door for it, like I was making it real again, almost by 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 speaking it, it manifested itself, almost, you know. Mm -hmm. Up until a few years ago, it was still happening, maybe four or five years ago, where it got very heavy. And I, my nana is was super religious; she's passed now, and you know, she said, you know, if you talk to this person, she might maybe, and she's trying to figure it out and help me out with it. Um, and then one day. You know, I tried, I was very new, new agey kind of, and I was trying to find lots of different things. And one thing I did find, funny enough, was I had seen a documentary where someone said, 
got rid of it by saying, Jesus, I trust in you. And I said it and it went away. And I came back a few more times and I said it and it went away. And that led me down. I was always a very spiritual person. That led me down a very Christian kind of path. Mm-hmm. I know it doesn't, I'm not sure that probably doesn't mesh with, with how you see the, the spiritual world as well. But it, it has helped me tremendously and got my head, mental health or, you know, I'm like, that's why I link the spiritual. That's why I added that. It was always physical and mental yeah. health. Then it was like spiritual because it got everything, got my mental health back on track, which got my physical health back on track. And I just thought it was, you know, you know, great in that way. But, um, and I, I do know, I've heard often people talking about, like you said, you can sense people's aura. Some people can, you know, walk into a room and see the energy around someone. And, mm-hmm. and I know someone actually went into my auntie's house years ago, which was, which they thought was haunted. And they saw my nana sitting there and they said, she's a very strong energy around her. And maybe she was just so such a spiritual person in that way as well. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I don't. How do you sit with the the idea of of Jesus or, or of, of Christianity? Then is that something that you 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 don't um, really think much about? No. So I was I was raised Catholic, like extremely Catholic, my whole life. Like did all the catechisms. My mother is very very devout Catholic, um, and so I don't have like I don't I view anything that helps you connect with stuff that's beyond your physical eyes as a benefit. Like bottom line, if it helps you connect spiritually with something that's outside of you and that is this grander thing that helps you awaken that magic that's in within within you, like that is a good thing. Like inherently and a wonderful, beautiful thing. So to me, though I don't necessarily follow any sort of religious doctrine of like rules set down by people, that doesn't like I do not discredit the anything, the beauty of connecting in that way and at all. Um, some of the things go, don't necessarily like some of the belief systems and stuff specifically in Catholicism don't match up with things that I have seen, um, yeah. physically seen myself, you know, or felt myself that way. And so the, that's part of the reason where I'm like, okay, like there is room on this planet for all of the different beliefs where essentially as long as you're preaching love and connecting through love and love is what's real, like that's what matters. So it's interesting, you know, because I something that happened when when I said these things, I, I felt a different type of presence in the room, like a positive mm-hmm. one. But I was raised Catholic as well, but I found myself not agreeing, you know, couldn't get in the viewpoint of the because, like you said, a lot of stuff I was seeing was different or not correct, and uh, it made me delve into more, you know. So I had to figure this out. Why is one thing working, but I don't agree with this? And it really made me help me differentiate between Christianity and Catholicism, where Catholicism wasn't like an organized religion, where Christianity was just reading the words of Christ rather. Because I felt as though that was that force almost, or that light that was taken over the others. And yeah, it really, yeah. you know, I found myself not being religious, not going to church and things like that, but being very, very spiritual with the guidance of the words of Christ. Strange, you know, I, that's when I realized I was pulling from organized religion basically and realized mm-hmm. that hang on like even in the catholic church it's like hang on he didn't actually say that he said he didn't say you have to go to church he said you can sit in your room and speak uh, by yourself you know and it's, it's yeah. way different you know like and but i just thought it was interesting because it does just preach the love and and helping each other out and that's all mm-hmm. he was all about you know and i'm interested to hear um your guides you know when you talk about that who who are they or what do, have you ever asked um or, sorry, what do you know about them? 
greedy. <laughs> I know a lot about my guides and everybody else's guides for that matter. Everybody's guides I can tap into and they give me all sorts of information, which is really, really cool. Specifically, um, I have a couple really main guides and they actually kind of fall into some categories, which is really neat. And I actually recently did a spirit guide episode of my podcast. Um, I run, I run a metaphysical comedy podcast or I co-host it. And um, so we did a, a fun little blip on spirit guides too. So if you want deeper information, I can, there's a lot to talk about. Um, but some, some guides can show up as, you know, entities that are just like a light being that you see as a light being that are just there to, to, to interact with you one or two times to help you keep you on the same path. Or they can be, they can follow you for your whole life. They can show up as angels. They can show up as past loved ones. They can even show up in your physical life as spirit guides as well, um, where the universe has sent like a person to guide you forward, like that woman who was at the car dealership. She was a spirit guide, essentially, because I needed her in that moment. And so the universe is like, here you go. Um, so my guides specifically, um, I have one and I mentioned a little bit ago, like she was very physical. Um, she's a very, she physically does things in my space, um, which made me think my house was haunted when I was in the abusive relationship and couldn't tune in and stuff. But she is uh, with me all the time physically, all the time. Every house I've ever been into um, for my entire life, she's there. Um, I call her Hope because Hope is always there. And um, she likes that name. So I, she was like all about it. And she has, her and I like actively communicate and we can, she like does physical things where like, I know she wants to communicate with me or is sending me messages. Like I have a lamp in my room that if you touch it, it turns on and she'll turn it on. Like I'll come into the room and it'll be on. I'll be like, oh, okay. So hope needs to talk. And then we'll sit down and I can, I can tune into her and have a conversation. But really what she is for me is she's kind of like an energy protector. Um, and she protects like my physical space from, um, like any entities that are not good or whatever. And, and, and she did, she's done that my whole life. She's not as prevalent now because I can do that for myself. Like I've learned enough tools to be able to be safe all the time. Uh, so she's less prevalent as she was, but she's still always here. Um, so I feel her constantly. I feel it right now. And then I also have um, like some higher level uh, almost so like in my experience, like deities have different kind of levels, right? So like, and not necessarily even deities is the right term, but like beings have different types of levels. There's um, people who are just us that have passed away that are just kind of sitting in the lower level. They're still going through human school. Like they will reincarnate or um, they will learn things from just beyond this space. Um, and then there's like deeper levels where they're like higher level beings. And that's what, you know, in, in the Christian terms, it would be like angels or, you know, like that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And there's other beings in that level too. And those are like the ascended masters, et cetera. So I have a couple of those type of beings that are also really, I tune into them very often and they are always in my, my court and I can ask them for guidance, et cetera. And then also um, my dog is one. <laughs> my dog is a spirit guide for me for sure. And I was actually sent a message that he was one. Like I like downloaded it from the universe. Like my dog is a spirit guide and he totally is like, he will, he's, one of those very very in tuned beings um where i'm like you are totally a developed be like creature on your own he took zero training and is super well trained like one of those like very much is always by my side will push me out of the way of danger like the whole nine yards so like that's some of my guides that are like really prevalent in that way and then i also will occasionally have like someone's stepping forward because I need a message. They're going to guide me just this once. They're not personally invested in my, my stuff, like whatever, <laughs> you know, you can go about your day, Emily, but I do need to tell you this and I'll be like, Oh, okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. And then, and then that'll be kind of what it is. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned dogs because I think dogs are very interesting animals, aren't they? They're very in top with human emotions on a, 
uh, on a kind of love and spiritual level as well. And it's it's very interesting if you you know, I I personally would believe more in um, less of evolution, a more kind of of intelligent kind of metaphysical designer in that way because there is such connections that are more than physical, you know, um, yeah. and dogs definitely do hold a very close bond with, with humans, I think, especially especially certain dogs, like you said, like, you know, we could have had nine dogs over the course of our life. One in particular, it would just make such an impact, you know, on our whole oh, yeah. life, all of us, you know, um, and I think it's amazing. One thing I wanted to ask you, just as, as interest, um, like you were talking about, you can, you can see, I think it happened to other people's uh, kind of guides as well. Can, like, just interested, can you tap into anything from us talking. Oh yeah, absolutely. So your Nana that you mentioned has passed away. She's been sitting behind your shoulder this entire conversation. So it was cute when you were like, yeah, like there's like a, a lighter presence like came into the room and I could feel that presence. It was totally a hundred percent her. And she's like sitting like right there in your space and she's like very actively near you. So like that was like really intriguing. Like I knew that like right from the beginning and it, she came in like halfway through, but energy field wise, like she's there for you for sure. Um, and then other guys, like anything else I can see in your guys, if you're good with me tapping into your energy field, like I don't want to. That's okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> I'm quite, I, I feel in a quite strong spiritual place now where I'm not worried about that kind of stuff anymore. Yeah. Okay, good. I just want to make sure I always ask before I do any of it, because like your energy space is still your space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you don't want someone to come up and like boop your nose on the train. Like I don't want to boop your energetic nose. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So in your space, so she's definitely there and like very strong presence. Um, like, and, and, generally generationally too it's like it's like a lot of like warm energy and warm light in your space um and then you also have like a I don't think you knew him in life it could be almost like a um feels like almost past lifey but he is also super in your court and he's less present as in like your day-to-day as like I'm sure you've felt the presence of your your uh, Nana or like felt like she sent you signs or something. So you kind of like feel that warmth or almost you might even have gotten her smell or something like that. That's like a very visceral sign from her, like kind of in your day to day. He is not as much that, but he is definitely helps you um, when you're calling things in. He's like one of the guides that is really good with like things that you want to happen, um, bringing those into your reality. So he's kind of a manifester. Um, and he, I, like I said, I don't think you knew him. Like he wasn't from this physical lifetime. So definitely just kind of in your core um from you know beyond this particular realm that we're in um and he is really clearly he's like very active and very proud of you but not so much sending you the physical signs so it's harder to tap into that but the cool thing is like he has a very protective energy too so if you ever needed any sort of like hey i'm feeling uncomfortable or something if you were to do that he would be the one that would show up for you um which is really interesting yeah and then you also have like a little it's like a little bird (laughs) it's like the best description it's like a tiny little bird but it's made mainly light and um it's super big and very connected to like your intuition um and your guidance so it's like one of those things when you get that intuitive pull it's like your little bird has like been like hey look look over here like look at this thing over here that you're missing um and so that's kind of those are the like immediate ones in your space right now anyway wow that's very interesting and because i remember the fortune teller said years ago we know you had this you know, uh, well, he say spirit guide or guardian angel. I'm not sure what he said. And he said, you know, that it was uh, this guy, Sebastian. And if you look up, he has a certain feast day and things like that, he said. And when, funny enough, when I looked it up, his feast day was the 20th of January, which happens to be my birthday. And, you know, I met that guy for the first time ever. And I was like, you know, from hundreds of years ago when he was actually murdered, I think. But um, 
And yeah. no, you know, it was very like you know, sometimes you, you hear these things, it's very, you know, interesting like and what where you take from them almost, you know. Um mm-hmm. and can when when you're talking about in metaphysical, so do you believe in um higher being like a like a designer or a creator of the metaphysical world and the fit on the natural world i do um i have a very open relationship with creator of all that is is what i call the being yeah. yeah um i actually became a theta healer a while ago because i was something i was really trying to tap into is like i knew my gifts were really active right before bed like right as i was trying to fall asleep and that's when you're entering the theta brainwave so of course the universe is like oh here you should try this thing and i totally did and the whole thing is about fostering like a like a, you can actually communicate with creator and creator communicates back. It's like the craziest if you hear everything and it's amazing. It's like the coolest modality ever. So um, I, since that time, it's been a really deep bonding experience with like growing my relationship with creator. Cause I had some trauma around that from, from being in the Catholic church and from not aligning and from being told multiple times, like how wrong I was to not align mm-hmm. with the church, you know? Um, and I think it, as an organization like no major statements on the catholic church but like if it's something's not serving you nothing should ever tell you you're wrong for having that thing not serve you yeah that's like my biggest thing and so i had some like residual like ick like i don't necessarily want to like i know there's a creator energy out there i feel it i see it i I can see it in everything that exists like i know there's that but i don't necessarily want a relationship with that because like yeah i'm scared of like the pain from my past relationships with that. So I had to overcome a lot of that. But since then it's, it's really, really a cool bonding and the energy of creator is, is freaking powerful and amazing and just pure love. So, you know, I, I, I do think, you know, and maybe you know, I think this is true for me and I think maybe it's true for you, but maybe you have a different view on it, but that I am, you know, so the likes of me saying that, you know, I saw these things and it's very depressing or oppressive on my childhood or growing up and seeing that nearly every night, I also got quite physical when I was a teenager in my early 20s as if like a choking sensation or seeing, you know, but, um, and then I, I overcame it and I try now to do the podcast to help people and, and to try get them to relate to different guests where they might be, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that I had to go through that. Sometimes people have to go through hard, different, different things in life. Everyone goes through their, their bouts, their, their, their depressive, their hit, they hit their rock bottoms and mm-hmm. it's just the hope is that they, they find something, they come back up, and they can tell someone else how they came back up, so maybe they can help them. Do you right. think as though maybe, I'm not saying you need to go through any of what you went through, but that if the fact that you did, maybe you were chosen to be able to, you know, reach a lot more people while you have to go through that. Like someone has to go through, you know, the worst case scenario to help other people relate to them and, and also bring them out of that darkness. Yeah, Um, I definitely think I had to go through it. Like I, it's taken time, but I have, I have deep gratitude for the experience. I'm not saying I have gratitude for him. Like I, I nothing him. I don't have any emotional feelings towards him at all. I don't feel angry. I don't feel like I necessarily have to forgive him. I don't care. It just, it's whatever. Um, But for the experience, like I'm deeply grateful because I had the realization a while back that I am the person now though I did, I achieved nothing that I ever planned on achieving at all. Like I have, I, other than having a book, that's like the only achievement that I was like, this is something I want in my life. Like I've always wanted to be an author, but I had all these big dreams and all these big plans of where I was going to go and the person I was going to be. And though I achieved none of those things, I am the person that I've always wanted to be. Yeah. 
And I wouldn't have ever become that person without having gone, gone through what I had to go through. And it's the most beautiful and peaceful feeling to know that you fully are that person that you've always dreamed of being. Like I spend all day, every day talking about weird, magical stuff and no one's like, kill the witch. Like it's great. (laughs) Like it's, it's huge and just so different. And like, I'm in, we're in this space in this culture where we can have this dialogue together. And then also we're in the space in this culture where I can feel that safety. Um, and it's really, really beautiful and magical. And so would I have ever changed anything? Probably not. Yeah. I probably I wouldn't. It's probably, it's, it's horrendous to go through at the time, but like, look, like the person you are now obviously is the poster person for, you know, for other people who's going through it, men or women, you know, mm-hmm. who have to go to that and, and come out of it, you know, and it's, you know, and do you think you'll write another book or will it be more geared towards people, honing people in on their uh, metaphysical gifts? Or maybe you do that already. I know that you also have an empowering uh, site, don't you? Um, Emily Davis yeah. Empowerment. Maybe my time. Yeah. So currently what I am is I call myself a spiritual empowerment coach. But basically what I do is if you, I help people discover their purpose through unlocking their metaphysical gifts. That's basically what I do. So, I mean, there's this pull in people where you know that you have this greater purpose, this higher purpose, and you know that there's these gifts inside of you, but you have fear, you have shame, and you don't know how the heck to get any of it done. Like, those are the people that I help. If you have that pull and you know that there's this calling, that's what your gifts are for. They're for you to help achieve your purpose in this lifetime. So those are the people I help. That's my current business. Um, And so uh, people can join my program in that way. And so, and then I also do like intuitive readings um, and stuff and on my website actually. So my website is damselnomore.com, which is the name of my book. I actually have my book available for free in ebook form. So if anyone wants to go download my free ebook, I wrote it to help people. Like I said, it was like a passion project. Um, so there it is for you guys, because <laughs> I would love to give it out to your listeners. Um, there, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And then also on there, you can ask one free intuitive question from me, whether it's about your future your guides your past lives whatever it is so all of that is on my website as well but i also do intuitive readings like paid and ones where i go really in depth for like an hour and we get clear 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 um so yeah that's kind of what i do um in my actual business my day-to-day which again super magical i get to talk about magic all day ridiculously fun um i am gonna write another book i actually i've written multiple fantasy novels that are very high vibration, very much about emotional intelligence, but they are fantasy. Um, And so those are on, um, they're submitted to agents right now because it's a little bit of a different publishing process from nonfiction to fiction. So um, those we'll see if they go within the next little bit of time. And I'm working on a historical fiction too, so we'll see how that goes. But, um, and (laughs) I know I do too many writings, but then I'm also gonna write probably another I, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I feel it in my own energy field coming up um, within this next, I don't think it's going to be in 2020, it gets published, but probably 2021. Um, and I'm literally just speaking energy intuitively, like from what I can see in my own future. Um, but I will probably write another nonfiction that is going to be more along the lines of, I want to continue the character healing series that I've started with Damsel No More, but taking it to a different place right so like this is the healing from abuse one let's do another one that's about healing from this or you know yeah. whatever it is and, and go to that space so i'll expand more on that as well you you're you're one of those you know that annoying percentage of people who get to do what they love and they <laughs> from it you know because everyone else has to get up at five in the morning and drag themselves <laughs> to work kind of thing you know that's the goal <laughs> really, isn't it like you know uh-huh. in 
you know, famous or like our, you know, being a major rock star where you have to travel everywhere. You know, the goal is really doing what you love and making, you know, making your living from that, you know, yeah. and, you know, so, something you're passionate about. And, you know, I think, you know, you're, you know, it seems to me you're very lucky. I'm quite jealous of you to do that, you know. <laughs> oh, thank you. What, it's, what been you? A, it's been a hard fight to get here, though. Yeah, I spent yeah, a lot of years doing great. HR management, and that was not as fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think it's great. It's amazing. Like, And I think everyone should aspire to that. You know, they should sit down, you know, uh, and, and see what they, you know, like, a fan of kind of uh, Jordan Peterson for a while, you know, he says that, you know, you know what you find meaningful what you chase that's meaningful should be an obligation you know and mm-hmm. you think that you know you come to a certain point in your life where different things become more meaningful as you get older and yeah you know, and um, I, I wanted to ask you a question that um i don't want to go back to this a bit but you know it's just interesting for me because and uh, when i talk about you know the the bad spiritual experiences and the good and uh, the the figure of of christ specifically regardless of religion catholic church um, kept, you know, announcing itself or pulling into my view. Have you ever asked your, this is just purely my own curiosity, but have you ever asked your spiritual guides about that figure of, of that person or that spirit? Because obviously, it, you know, the question in Christianity is, did he resurrect? But definitely his spirit lives on, like it's 2020 for, for that reason, you know, that he's such yeah. an impact. Have you ever asked them specifically about that particular person? Not specifically, however, what I can tell you from, like, energetically what I can sense is the the layers of, like, ascended beings, right, that I talked about, that's where the spirit is. And different ones have come to this planet at different times to basically teach us again that we lo- should love each other, <laughs> like, yeah. again and again and again in different variety and different variety, and they, they call in different people. I call it having your own spiritual mountaintop, right? So you have your own little hill, and you're, you're on top of your hill, and some people like your hill, and some people like the hill that's over there, yeah. but you're all talking about the same things using different words. He's in that realm of, he has a really, really tall hill, and he came at that time, and like that, that his soul is like from that ascended zone um, to to again, try to teach us to love each other. And uh, so that's his hill and people are attracted to that. But that's as, as far as I know of, of that, his particular soul, like that's what I sense. Um, and I could probably tune in more. It would take a little bit more time because he's kind of layers away from me. Um, but yeah, that's, you know, that it's under that overarching of like these higher, more evolved intelligently beings, um, you know, and spiritually that are connecting with us in this human place. Yeah, that'd be very interesting. If you ever did that, I'd definitely look at that. You know, it'd be great. Yeah. Are you still are you still a gamer? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you what do you play at the moment? Um, so um, I I am sporadically playing about seventeen different things. So I on my handheld I have uh, I'm playing Pokemon Sun and Moon because like that's a forever journey of Pokemon. Um, and then right now I am also playing Monster Hunter. Okay. Ice, the ice the iceborne version yeah um which is super fun and totally dig it and i'm all we're me and my fiance are like 75 percent through borderlands 3 and i'm having the thing that comes up where i'm like i don't want to finish it yet like <laughs> um so we're kind of doing in that zone too yeah so those are like my big ones that i'm playing at the moment something that's quite interesting there's a game i have called resident evil vr and i cannot play the game it's just too much you know it's too intense you, you're I was gonna say for vr ow like that's oh, gonna be it's, brutal it's the scariest thing of you know oh it's just crazy and i had my brother over christmas time and he was having a few drinks he said i'll give it a bash you know and he had a bottle of whiskey beside him and he kept sipping from when he was going for it and uh 
he's not been able to sleep for like days after it. Like he's <laughs> having nightmares and all. You know, That's often, horrible. Yeah, I often hear this very true thing though. You know, the more you watch horror films and get in tune to that, it, the weaker it does make your defense to that kind of thing. You know, a few people have said that to me. Do you agree with that in that, in that way? Oh yeah, I don't do horror anything. Yeah. Absolutely zero. And not be, I have very strong boundaries. Like I have basically the way my channeling works is I go into a space that I've created in my brain. And it's kind of like the concept of like the perfect cube, right? Where I go in there and only the things in that space, the only things that I let in are the things that I need to let in at the time. So if I am removing a negative entity from someone's house, that thing can come into that space. That's fine. It can't harm me. This is my space. I control it, but you're coming in, you know, like I'm taking you in, we're talking and then I'm going to Put you, put you up to the light essentially is the concept um so yeah like you lower your those defenses especially if like you don't have the training or the framework or the boundaries or anything of those sort of things like there are definitely entities and things that want to suck off of your energy and some of them aren't even necessarily bad but they're still energy suckers and they're going to drain you and they're going to give you anxiety and they're going to like you're going to feel them on your physical body one of the things i do for people is i will go in and i can pull if you have one of those in your energy field which 99% of people do because they don't clear their energy and so they just have like these suckers that are basically stuck on them um I can go in and pull those off and you'll feel the physical pain of like a, like something got pulled off of your body because there is these entities that do that and so if you're doing like if you're super into like watching horror movies or even if you aren't super into it and you do it for the first time in a long time or something like that like it's going to immediately just bring into your consciousness the possibility of these things being there and being in your space and that is going to kind of like make those things be like oh i can possibly be in your space that's kind of fun yeah. you know and they might not come in the way that like the horror movie does like most of the time like a negative entity in your space the worst they're going to do is like knock a plate off the counter you know or something <laughs> something like that make you feel scared um there's a very small percentage of people that are like have serious physical problems or like things like that happen where they're like very 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 haunted and physically connected to this thing um but they they can always be removed that's another thing it's like that yeah. it's not it's not a life sentence if this is something in your house or whatever like we can get rid of that no problem um but that it does kind of like lower that shield because you're just making it part of your conscious awareness and it's part of like in your vibration now that this is a thing that can happen yeah and i think the, the lower like i think you know when i said i was just not uh, like a kid and these things happened to me over time it got to a stage where it did, i did wake up choking um and it came from a dream where my my granddad who had passed uh, i wasn't that close to him or anything like that but you know there was something strange going on very vivid dream and he, my family were surrounded by him and he was like apologizing to someone in the family and as i got closer I knew something wasn't going right and they just have to grab me but i woke up and there was just like this thing and i was pulling the fingers off it almost and i was choked and my brother came out and flicked the light on without coming in and the thing like jumped on and it, it got to the stage where it was almost like that and um, that's why that's why when i ended up going to my nana because i was like you know like i i can't figure out what's going on and luckily yeah. i luckily now like it did come back then initially when i was saying my own mantra and then but my fear level dropped severely and i felt as though there was something coming in and overtaking it and then it just completely went away but i do have a friend who was quite atheist or you know um a couple of years ago and these things are happening to him and he's you know he feels as though when he, the more you drink sometimes you know it, it's like the following days after that and which makes sense you know and uh now he does believe in in a god because he 
you know, if he just think that there's the bad, then there must be the good side of things as well. And if it's mm-hmm. not just a, a physical world, there must be metaphysical behind it. And if mm-hmm. it's metaphysical, there must be a designer or, or better intelligence or something, you know, that yeah. is that way. But it's interesting, you know, it's it's very, it's things, like you said, you don't you don't get to talk to many people about it, but we're able to have these conversations. I think there's a better awareness. With the age of the internet, people are out there realizing these things are happening across the globe. And, you know, we need to tune into them. We have subconscious minds that can't be explained by science and we need to figure out, you know, why they're there and what's the, our purpose is the big thing really, isn't it? And that's what separates us from the animals really, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's our, like, we're all ascending. Like the next stage is like, we're evolving our consciousness. Like we're out of this stage where we all are just hoping that we make it through the day um, that we were in for thousands of years as a species. And now we're like, Hey, we have, made the tools for us to be able to dive into this beautiful part of ourselves that we haven't been able to do before and it's just this really unique time to be alive because no time like this has existed before on this planet in any type of capacity like we get to just expand our consciousness and and do our best to understand those things that we as a species suppressed for a long time or look, you know, didn't want to look at because we were trying to do everything else. And now we get to look at those things and be like, Hey, like maybe this stuff isn't actually scary. Like your, your thing, horrifying, terrifying, but like also you're now in this path because of it. Yeah. Right. You know, so like you now have overcome this and you have this new faith and things that, that need, you needed to serve you, you know, so we can actually like look at things in like a whole picture perspective um, and, and more in a thrive instead of survive and, and really delve into that, which is so unique and cool. I want to ask you, what's what's your message for people who might be stuck in that place at the moment? You know, um, afraid to like fear is the big thing, isn't it? Of getting people out. You know, what what would be your message or your own words to them if they found this talk? Yeah, um, the first thing I always say when people are like, "Oh, I'm afraid of this thing," ask yourself why and what if. Mm-hmm. So, like, why are you afraid of it? Are you afraid of it because you do not know what it is? totally reasonable I understand that but what if it's a good thing like what if maybe this thing is here to help you what if these gifts that you feel where you're feeling overwhelmed all the time by everyone's emotions can actually help you to help other people understand their emotions like what if it's a good thing so always ask yourself why and like give yourself a check like like are you afraid of this thing because it's literally a tiger in the room that's going to eat your face or are you afraid of these things because you just don't understand it understanding can easily be gained tigers in the face not so great um <laughs> very different expect you know perspective so if if you're feeling this like lost in this like hey this thing is scary feeling like definitely reach out there's so much help now which is so cool it's not like and the exorcist like way back in the day where like you would have to go to a priest and the priest would tell you you're a horrible person for having this happen like that is not what is occurring at all like everyone's like oh like let's accept you let's understand what's going on and what if this is like the best blessing you could ever have? Like, what if this is part of your purpose as a human being? And if you're feeling that call to experience the purpose, like what if this ties into it and maybe explore that instead of approaching it with that fear? Also remember like you're never alone. Everyone has spirit guides. And that's another really cool thing that has come with this inside of like being super metaphysical and having these gifts. Like no person on this earth is alone. Yeah. Like every person has a guide in some capacity so you can always fall back on people and like you know fall back on these guys and be like what is going on and like look for their signs and pay attention and they will come yeah i do think it's very obvious that there's there's you know we have our own souls and there is other spirits and guides there because 
you know, it's often when you see, even when you see, when you go to a funeral or an open casket, you know, there is something that's not there that was there in that person. You know, it's the life. Yeah. You know, they even they even found this with science, you know, that something leaves the body a certain, you know, that, and they can't quite explain it. Um, yeah, and they, they weigh the soul. <laughs> yeah, weigh the soul. And even, you know, when, you know, doctors, are, you know, are even like, you know, seeing things in patients where they've come back, you know, they can bring people back a lot more lately again. It's like one in twenty people who come. I know it's 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 way higher. It's like one in five people who like who experience near death and uh, have an experience, and it's similar to and they are to it's uncanny, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, and the last question I have for you as well is: What's the message for someone who might be in an abusive relationship and is stuck there at the moment as well? And what what would you what would your advice be to them who's who found this talk? Um, one big thing that happens when you're in an abusive relationship is you, part of the reason you can't face that it's abuse is because facing that it's abuse is facing the realization that you have a hundred percent failed yourself by getting yourself in that place. Okay. And it's hard to look at because acknowledging that you're in an abusive relationship is acknowledging that you are to blame for getting yourself there, right? Like you, it's the way your brain works at the time. And so the most important thing I can always share is none of it is your fault at all. Like whatever is going on, your partner is telling you it's your fault. It's not your fault. Like there, no one has an excuse or reason to hurt you on purpose, no matter what you do in this life. And if that's occurring, it's not because they love you. (laughs) You don't hurt the things you love. It just isn't like, Yes, emotionally, maybe sometimes there's misunderstandings and you guys break up or something like that. Like, that's very different. You're not causing the person you love distress on purpose. That is not real. That is not what love is. And if you have someone in your life that is causing you distress on purpose for their own gain, where you're spending all of your time doubting yourself, thinking you're to blame, all of these different things, you are not in a relationship. You are a prisoner. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's true. You have very well said. And I think you know, you're obliged to surround yourself with people who want the best for you. And that's another thing I, I picked up off of Jordan P as well. But, you know, I think you're right. And, you know, I'm very glad that you, you came on and talked about that because I think it is a really important topic to talk about. And it's a really big part. And the spiritual health is one thing that's overlooked the whole time, you know. Because I know mm-hmm. when I added that idea to the podcast, people were kind of like, hey, why are you doing that? You know, but I think it's huge, you know. And uh, I think you really hit the nail on the head. Like your experiences perfectly complement like how people can get out of it. And uh, being very interested to see to, to keep following you and see how um, you know how you how you go go on going forward and see what else you'll do in the future. So I'm really glad you you came on. Thanks very much. Oh, thank you very much. It's been really great to chat with you. And again, if anyone wants to. Um, get any of my stuff. I know you'll link my website, but you can get my book for free or ask me an intuitive question. I'd love to help out um, on my website, which is damselnomore.com. And I'm just so thankful to get this opportunity to get to chat with you because this is super great. And again, having these conversations from all the way halfway across the world is like, yeah. it's like what you imagine 2020 would be, you know? And yeah. you're like, wow, I can't believe the future is here. So, so cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was watching a guy, sorry, just on the north side now, uh, you know, the, the flat earthers there earlier on. And uh, <laughs> explaining why the earth was flat and i was trying to think to myself how would they explain our time difference you know <laughs> right now like right like, you know it's like anyway that's that's a whole other kettle of fish i know I, w- I so badly want to have a flat earther on my podcast my podcast is called perceptionist anonymous and we tackle like a new metaphysical concept every week to like help it 
not be weird and strange and just this enigma and like actually have like real words from real people to like understand it. Um, and I would love to have a flat earther as a guest and just be like, how do you like, I, I need to know, like there has to be a meta magical or metaphysical side to this in some way. Like, please explain. What's <laughs> going on. I know. And I was thinking the same myself. I'd love to get one on and just, just like sit down with them for an hour and say, what's going on? You know, where, where are you coming from with this? You know, I can get, I can get where a lot of people are coming from, but, but this, uh, one's, this one's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause every time I go on a plane it says otherwise, you know, <laughs> Well, listen, no, I really I appreciate it. it, and I will link all your stuff, and, uh, and that's all I can say. Thanks very much, and I really enjoyed your, your chat, and I hope to have this up in the next day or two. Okay, awesome. Yeah, you have my social media stuff, so you can just tag me, and Absolutely. I'll know. I'll share all the stuff, and it'll be great. Yeah, fair play. Thanks very much, Emily. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. It was great chatting with you. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. Great yeah. evening. Okay. <laughs> evening. Okay. All the best. okay. Bye. Bye.